Wow, thank you, worship team. It is, man, it is so much fun getting up to preach the word after having sat under worship like that and being led by godly people into the throne room of God like that. So worship team, thank you guys so much for, for everything that you've done. Um, let me invite you to take your Bibles, church family, and go to Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna be reading Ephesians chapter four, verses 30 through 5-2. Um, those words are gonna be on the screen here in just a minute. Well, church family, it is so good to see you today. Um, my name is Jeffrey Samplaski. I am the student and college pastor here at Great Hills. Um, and it's my privilege, my great privilege to lead our dive into God's word this morning. Um, as you likely already know, we are in the middle of sort of a mini series. Um, it's our Christmas series leading into Christmas, which is Friday, um, which for some of y'all, you're welcome. Um, you still have just a little bit of time to finish your Christmas shopping before that day comes, unless you're a, a CVS on the way to the Christmas party kind of guy like me, then you still got plenty of time and you're good. Um, but y'all, it is, it is just good to jump into this series that we're in right now. Um, leading into Christmas, of course, we are talking about what scripture says about forgiveness, what the Bible says about forgiveness. And of course, last week, Pastor Daniel um, preached on forgiveness and kicked this sermon series off. I have got the privilege of, of leading us today. And then next week, we're bringing in the heavy hitter to close out the sermon series. And Pastor Danny will be back with us um, just after Christmas to close out this series. So I think, you know, as I prayed over this particular um, sermon series and specifically the topic that we're talking about throughout um, this three-week series, the more I begin to just feel and sense how, how timely and appropriate this is. We're talking about forgiveness. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? What is the, the depth and the beauty of the forgiveness that God has offered to us and then called us to as the people of God? And the more that I prayed about that, the more that I just sensed that it's so appropriate this time of year to talk about forgiveness. And there's a handful of reasons that were really on my mind this week as we begin to, or as I begin to just really prepare and write for today. And of course, number one is we are celebrating the coming of King Jesus this week. That's amazing. In fact, may we as the people of God never get over the fact that Jesus came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's astonishing. So we celebrate this week the, the coming of King Jesus. And it is through his coming by, by way of a virgin birth, coming and dwelling among sinful people, yet he was without sin. And it is because of that and him going to the cross on our behalf that we can receive the forgiveness that the mighty sovereign holy God of the universe offers. That's amazing that we're talking about forgiveness right now. And my prayer, my hope is that our, our, our eyes would just be lifted and that we would marvel this week leading into, into Christmas at the fact that God made a way for sinful humanity to be forgiven. That's astonishing. But there's another reason that I think it's so timely and appropriate that we're talking about forgiveness at this time of year. You know, Pastor Jeff pointed something out to me earlier, earlier in the week, and I'm going to call him out and it's okay. Hopefully that it's good. Hopefully that's okay though. Um, he pointed something out to me that the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, uh, the more I begin to sense that I think he's right. And he said that as we're talking about um, forgiveness, as we examine the text, as we just talk about the weight of forgiveness, there is a very, very high likelihood 
that there are people, in fact, there's probably a lot of people in here that as we talk about forgiveness, it's bringing to the forefront of your mind, maybe some, some old wounds, some circumstances in your life where maybe somebody has treated you unjustly, maybe you've just been done wrong and it is bringing up those old wounds um, that, that maybe haven't ever been dealt with. Or maybe as a believer, you have dealt with those, you have offered forgiveness to somebody that's offended you at some point in your life. Um, but even though you know you've been forgiven, you still deal with the scars from the, the circumstances of that person that offended you. It, it amazes me how those scars have such an impact in our lives. Or maybe you're somebody that as we talk about forgiveness, you're, you're very quickly reminded of, maybe you're one of those people that you're very quickly reminded of some offense that you've committed towards somebody and you've had a hard time forgiving yourself. In fact, you're so ashamed of that thing that, that you don't feel like you can forgive yourself even though you know that God has forgiven you. Well, this morning, my hope and my prayer is that as we talk about forgiveness, that our eyes would be turned towards the beauty of the forgiveness that God has offered us as the people of God. And through that, we would begin to offer that forgiveness, that same type of forgiveness to those that surround us. And as a result of that, that we would experience the freedom that comes with forgiveness. So that's my hope and prayer this morning. So with all that being said, church family, let's read together. Ephesians chapter four, verses 30 through 5-2. And it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for just the amazing opportunity and privilege that you have given us to gather as the body of Christ. Father, what's going on here this morning, the, the, the body of Christ gathered together with you as the head is, is astonishing. Father, this is such an amazing representation of your own character. My prayer this morning is that you would be pleased with your church. Father, that you would be pleased with everything that we do today, everything that we talk about, everything, every conversation that we have. I pray that it would be done for your glory and your glory alone. And Father, as we preach your word, as we study your word, as I preach your word, Father, my prayer is that your spirit would speak. Father, that your words would go forth, not my own, not my own thoughts, not my own opinions. I pray that your heart would be declared this morning. Father, these are your people, your bride. We need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice this morning. So that's my prayer, God, that I would become less, that you would become more. Father, that your, your word would go forth with power. And God, I pray that as a result of that, we would look more like Jesus than we did when we walked in this morning. Be honored and glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love this book. In fact, I was telling somebody a little while ago that if I had to pick a favorite book in the Bible, like if, if, if that's okay, if I had to pick a favorite book in the Bible, it would probably be Ephesians. Ephesians is often referred to 
as Paul's theological masterpiece. In fact, it is widely argued that if you have at least some, uh, some understanding of what's being communicated in the book of Ephesians, all the truths about the gospel and the impact of the gospel, then there is a high likelihood that you will have a, a much better, at least a pretty firm grasp on the rest of scripture. There is just so much theology packed into one short book. And I love the structure that Paul uses in, in the book of Ephesians. The first few chapters of Ephesians, I would encourage you to, to, to study through it on your own if you haven't already. But the first few chapters of Ephesians really deal with what is the gospel? Well, what is the depth of the gospel? How far did, did Christ go on our behalf as sinful people? And then the second half of this, this book really deals with the effects of the gospel in the life of the believer. What does the believer's life look like as a result of the, the gospel's impact in their lives? And it speaks so clearly into this topic of forgiveness that we're gonna, we're gonna study through here in just a moment. But you know, I think there is something that we have to talk about this morning before we get into talking about the subject of forgiveness, before we jump into talking about really the, the entire point of this sermon series, talking about the subject of forgiveness, before we do that, there is something else that we've gotta, we've gotta discuss this morning and dive into if we are gonna have a faithful understanding of what the Bible says about forgiveness. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I am so incredibly convinced that if we don't start with talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and we immediately jump into talking about the gravity and the weight of the forgiveness that God has called us to as the people of God, the, 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 the weight of the forgiveness that God has called us to offer to those that surround us, I am convinced that if we don't talk, start talking about, with talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, then the result is that thing that God has given us, forgiveness, that thing that God has given us with the intent of allowing us to experience amazing freedom in Christ. But if we immediately talk about forgiveness, then I'm convinced that we run the real risk of placing a weight on ourselves, a heavy weight, a heavy yoke that we were never intended to carry in the first place. I'm convinced that if we don't start with talking about the amazing work of the Holy Spirit, that very gift from the God of the universe, forgiveness becomes a heavy weight that we can't bear. We were never intended to. So this morning, we've got to start there. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three truths that are straight out of this passage. And I would encourage you to take them and write them down, compare them up to scripture a little bit later, meditate on them. Um, but this just helps me draw the truth straight out of the passage itself. So the first truth that I wanna give you this morning, starting with talking about the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit leads us towards Christ-likeness. Have you ever really taken a moment to consider the things, the, the weight, the gravity of the things that God has called us to as the people of God? If you read through scripture, you'll very quickly see that God has called us as the people of God to live lifestyles that are so incredibly contrary to the world that we live in right now. In fact, according to scripture, the world that we live in is not just sick because of sin, it's dead because of sin. And as believers, we have been brought to life 
as the spirit of God lives inside of us, we have been brought to life and we are called through the working of the spirit to live lifestyles that are very, very different in this world. But have you ever taken a moment to consider the weight of what God has called us to? More specifically, let's talk about forgiveness. Have you ever taken a minute to really consider and think about the gravity of the forgiveness that God has called us to offer others? This is not just some type of like casual forgiveness where somebody has offended us, committed some type of offense to a, towards us, and we just simply like overlook it as if it's not there. We just simply try and ignore it as if it's not there. All the while, there's still bitterness and just a heaviness in our hearts as a result of it. No, my friends, that is not consistent with the character of God. The kind of forgiveness that God has called us to as the people of God is a kind of forgiveness that hits those offenses head on with the purpose of being redeemed. That's a heavy, heavy weight. But notice what this passage says about the kind of forgiveness that God has called us to. We're actually gonna start in verse 32. And I wanna draw a couple of things out of verse, verse 32 about the forgiveness that God has called us to. And then we are gonna circle back to verse 30. And the hope is that as we examine verse 32, it'll help us better understand verse 30 and the rest of the text as we walk through it. So notice the weight of the forgiveness that God has called us to. It says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do you hear the weight of that church family? Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's take a second to consider that. And I think this will be really helpful for driving home the point that we're gonna make from, that we've already made from verse 30. How did God in Christ forgave you? forgive you? He did it through the shed blood of his own son through the sacrificial um, death of Jesus Christ at the cross, which satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus in our place at the cross was the way that God offered forgiveness to sinful humanity. But take a minute to consider the, the, the purpose of that forgiveness that, that God offered us through Jesus. There's a handful of purposes for the forgiveness that God gave sinful humanity through the cross of Jesus Christ. First, it's the glory of his own father. When God the Father offers forgiveness to sinful humanity, it's a very unmerited forgiveness, a forgiveness that wasn't earned. In fact, according to scripture, um, we don't have within us the ability to, 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 to receive that or to earn it on our own, but it's a free gift that God has given us, graciously given us. And when God offers that unmerited forgiveness to sinful people, he is the only one that's glorified. But there's also another purpose the aim of the forgiveness that God gave to us through the cross of Jesus Christ is aimed at the righteousness of the person who receives it. So do you hear the gravity of the forgiveness that God has called us to? The forgiveness that God has called us to should resemble that of, Christ, of God sending his own son to the cross and should be aimed at the righteousness of those who receive it. It's a kind of forgiveness where we lower ourselves we put aside our own um, feelings, our own uh, 
desire to be justified and we recognize that God as our justifier um, will make every right wrong and we offer, excuse me, every wrong right. And then we offer that forgiveness to others in hopes and in prayer that they too would become righteous. That is a weighty, weighty, weighty kind of forgiveness that God has offered to us that he calls us to resemble. Church family, there is a reason that we can't simply start by saying when we talk about godliness, when we talk about godly character in the life of the believer, and in this case, when we talk about forgiveness, there is a reason that we can't start by saying some cliche comment that we are all so accustomed to. Oh, just do it. Just, hey, that person offended you, get over it. <laughs> just get, get past it. There's a reason that we can't start there. And the reason is because those things sound nothing like the gospel. Because according to scripture, even our greatest attempts at righteousness are like filthy rags in comparison to the righteous God of the universe. But church family, what does sound like the gospel? Is Jesus saying, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me with all of your brokenness and all of your shame. Come to me with all of your failed attempts at righteousness, and I will be those things for you. Church family, why do we so often fall into the trap of believing that what God is primarily after is our ability to do? God is not after our ability to do. God is after us coming to Jesus and he is the one that does what we can't. That's remarkable. So the, the point in all of this is if we are to be a people who offer the forgiveness, this very, very supernatural kind of forgiveness that God has called us to, if we are to be a people that offer that kind of forgiveness, we have to come to Jesus. That's the only means by which we can offer that. In fact, that's the very, the only means by which you and I can do anything that we do as the people of God is by coming to Jesus. Church family, there is so much freedom in that. When we come to Jesus, he supplies us with everything that we need to do the things that he's called us to. Now, now that we've talked a little bit about that particular text. Let's circle back to verse 30 and I wanna make something clear. Again, the things that God has called us to, he never intended for us to do on our own, by our own power, by our own strength. But now I give you verse 30 and it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Church, do you see the link between grieving the Holy Spirit and those very ungodly characteristics? And those ungodly characteristics of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice. Those characteristics look like the world. However, do you also see the link between not grieving the Holy Spirit and the very godly characteristics that we see in this passage? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you? Who do those characteristics sound like? On one hand, grieving the Holy Spirit looks like the world. On the other hand, walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit looks like Jesus. Do do you see those characteristics that are there? And church, this brings so much hope that ultimately it is the work of the Spirit of God working within the believer, living in the believer, helping the believer, empowering the believer that gives us everything that we need to do the things that God has called us to do, these very supernatural things that God has called us to, including offering that supernatural kind of forgiveness that we by ourselves don't have within us the authority and power to offer. It is the work of the Holy Spirit working in the believer that empowers us to do the things of God. So truth number two, we must be a people who pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit uh, is looked at maybe with a little a little hesitance, almost like the Holy Spirit is kind of strange. The conversation that we have about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we're a little afraid of that. Now I recognize to a degree where that comes from um, because there is a large degree of, of mystery that's there when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Just like there's a large degree of mystery that's there when we talk about the, the Trinity, the, the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. My hope and prayer is that though there, are, there is mystery that, that surrounds this particular doctrine, I mean, because at the end of the day, we're talking about God. We're talking about the infinite, holy God of the universe. Now we're talking about a finite people trying to understand the infinite God of the universe. Well, we, we don't have that ability because he's God and we're not. But my prayer is that as we study this doctrine of the work and the person of the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't shy away from it, but resting in the mystery that comes with it, that we would just marvel at who he is. I pray that we would be a people, a church, that rests so firmly in the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, a church that does that, watch out. The way that God can use that church is absolutely astonishing. So the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, of course, as I said a minute ago, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When I say that Uh, he's the third member of the Trinity. I don't mean that there's like three gods in heaven and, and he's just one of them. I don't mean some type of like class order as if God the Father is number one, God the Son is number two, and God the Holy Spirit is number three. I don't mean that at all. When I say the third member of the Trinity, I simply mean that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. He is, he is one of three in that one, one Godhead. Now think about it this way. There are not three gods in heaven. There is one God in three persons. Do do I understand it completely? No, (laughs) that's awesome. That's why he's God and we're not. There's a large degree of mystery there, but think about how awesome that is. This God in three persons, one God in three persons. I think one of the most clear ways that we can understand the work of the Holy Spirit is look at salvation. All the members of the the Trinity were a part of the salvation event. 
God wills it, Jesus accomplishes it, and the Holy Spirit carries it through. So what we see all the way through the pages of scripture is the Holy Spirit working in us, doing, doing in us, empowering in us, or empowering us to do the things that God has called us to do. As I mentioned a minute ago, including offering the salvation or the forgiveness that God has called us to, to give, to offer up to those around us that don't know him. So the point this morning is, as I said a minute ago, we must be a people in order to offer the forgiveness that God has given us and, and called us to, we must be a people who pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And it is through that intimacy that we're able to do the things that God's called us to. I wanna be really, really practical with you. I think the, I don't want to stand up here and just teach and leave you just with a bunch of thoughts um, and, and, and truth that's in your head. But the reality of it is what I wanna do this morning is work towards teaching truth, teaching what scripture says, but hopefully through that, helping you make connections between the knowledge that you have and the actions that you make. So how do we pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit? and therefore offer the forgiveness that God has called us to as the people of God. I think this passage reveals so much that, to that question, or the answers to that question. Do you notice again the, the links between grieving the Holy Spirit and the ungodly characteristics and not grieving the Holy Spirit and the very godly characteristics that are listed there? The Holy Spirit is the linchpin in this whole thing. Therefore, on a very practical level, we must be a people in order to live godly, in order to offer the forgiveness that God has called us to, we must be a people who commune with the Holy Spirit. We must be a people who take our time in the word, our time in prayer very, very seriously. I've heard it said before, and I believe it, your time with the Lord, church family, your time with the Lord is the single most important thing that you will do every day. It is by our sitting at the feet of Jesus through prayer, through studying the word that God, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, empowers us, grows us to look like Christ. This is remarkable the way this happens. Church family, this book, this book is out of the very mouth of God. This book is not, we tell our students all the time, it's not just some dusty book that sits on a counter that we just pull off like some other book. But this book is inspired by God. It reveals the character of God and the Holy Spirit is directly involved with every word that's penned in this passage or in this book. And as we study this book, that's not like any other book, as we study this book, as we meditate on the truths that are revealed in this book, the Holy Spirit begins to transform our minds. It talks about that earlier in, in Ephesians. He begins to transform our minds to think like God. He begins to transform our minds so that we begin to see the world the way that God sees the world and see the people around us the way that God sees the people around us. As our minds begin to change, the affections of our heart follow. 
as we begin to think like God, we begin to feel like God feels. As our hearts are conformed to the image of Christ, as we reject the things in this world and, and all the lies from the enemy, all the things that the enemy promises us will bring us joy, but it's really just a cheap imitation. As we reject those things, as we pursue God, as we commune with him, he takes the taste out of our mouths for those things and puts his affections in our hearts. Now our hearts, because our minds have been conformed, our hearts begin to change. And as our hearts begin to change, our feet begin to follow. So in terms of forgiveness, when we are spending time communing with God through his word, through prayer, God transforms our minds to think like he does. Transforms our hearts to feel like he does. And as a result of that, he empowers us to offer the forgiveness that he's called us to offer. Where aware do we think and feel that God is primarily up to our, or primarily after our ability to do? What God is after is our coming to Jesus and he's the one that does the work. But then there's also something else here. And I think the, the structure that's in this particular passage is astonishing. And it gives us another sense of how we are to, as the people of God, pursue that godly character. How it gives us some, some more clues as to how we are to offer the forgiveness that God has called us to. Notice how in this passage, in fact, you see this same structure all the way through the book of Ephesians. Paul talks about throwing something off, but he doesn't just leave it there. Paul talks about throwing something off, but he talks also about putting something else on. You replace it with something else. Throw off the godly character, put on godly character. Notice how he does that in our passage for today. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then he, now we're replacing it with something else. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. My, my point in all of this is as we, as the people of God commune with God, as we sit at the feet of Jesus daily, studying his word, as we spend time in prayer, God conforms our, our minds to the heart of Christ, to the mind of Christ. As we do that, we also pursue godly action. Being empowered by the spirit, now we walk in obedience as the people of God. And we seek out like God did, like his his forgiveness was aimed at the righteousness of the person who receives it. Now we seek out those fractured relationships. Now we seek out that, 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 that hurt that's there with the hope that as we offer this forgiveness, even when it doesn't feel right, we rest in the fact that the spirit of God will empower us to do it. And we walk in obedience and seek out restitution with the person that's offended us. Oh, church family, I, I recognize how difficult that can be. I do, I recognize just how difficult offering this kind of forgiveness can be. Pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit, walk in obedience and watch what God does. There's also another element here that, that we've got to address and then we'll move on.
in order to commune with God and therefore do the things that he's called us to, you first have to know him. Friend, if you were here today and you don't know this God, you don't know this God who I talked about a minute ago simply says, come to me, come to me with your brokenness and your baggage and your pain and your hurts and I will be those things for you. The offer of forgiveness that we're talking about today from the God of the universe is available and it's available by way of the cross of Jesus Christ. Friend, it is remarkable what happens when we as sinful people come to Jesus. When we come to Jesus, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. When we come to Jesus, we give him all of our sin and all of our shame, all of our brokenness. And his righteousness is imputed to us. It's transferred to us, it's counted, it's credited to us. So that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. Friends, salvation is offered through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, the spirit of God moves inside of you and he guarantees your place in heaven with God one day, but on this earth, he will uphold you. He will sustain you through all of life's circumstances as he grows you to look more and more and more like Jesus. So friend, if that's you, I wanna encourage you, come to Jesus. When we finish up today, there's gonna to be counselors, um, I believe up front, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a decision booth at the back of the auditorium that if that's you, if you have any questions about what that looks like, I wanna encourage you to go ask one of those counselors. What does it mean? What does it, what does it look like to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus? I promise you those people back there would love nothing more than to discuss the beauty of knowing God alongside you. With that being said, I also want to give you one more truth. Truth number, sir, number three, we serve the God who redeems. We serve the God who redeems. This is something that as I've prayed through this sermon, through this text, this is something that's just been so heavy on my heart. We have a God who redeems. If you look all the way through the pages of scripture, what we see is God taking broken dead things, breathing life back into them and then using them for his glory. As we study through the pages of scripture, we see God taking people that seem insignificant and he uses them, he empowers them and he uses them for his kingdom. That's who God is, he redeems. And as we're talking about this area of forgiveness, I can't help but think, what if? What if that area in your life where somebody's offended you and hurt you what if that area in your life where you just don't feel as if you can offer the forgiveness that God has called you to? What if that area of brokenness is something that God redeems? What if that area of brokenness, as we come to Jesus, as we commune with the God of the universe, what if as we do that, God uses that one particular area to drive you further and further 
and further into himself. I've heard it said before, Charles Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me into the rock of ages. What if that one area of your life that seems irredeemable is the very thing that the God of the universe uses to drive you further and further into himself, into intimacy with himself? That is the beauty of the forgiveness that God has called us to. The forgiveness that God has called us to means that we come to God as our supplier. The spirit gives us what we need to do what he's called us to. And as a result, we get to experience him, AKA freedom. He is the one that heals that wound. He's the one that binds up the brokenhearted. He's the one that sets the captives free. Now that very thing that the enemy has tried to use to, to crush you is the very thing that God uses to reveal his character, the magnitude of his love for you. That's my prayer is that we would be a people who pursue intimacy with the spirit of God. And through that, that we would be a people who walk obediently through the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk obediently to the things of God, the things that God has called us to, even if those things don't feel possible. We put one foot in front of the other and we walk trusting that the spirit of God will supply us with everything that we need to do what he's called us to. Church, there's another thought that has gone through my mind that I want to push into real quick as we close. As I mentioned a minute ago, what God has called us to, we don't have within us the ability to do on our own. That's a remarkable thing. So think about this with me for a minute. In Ephesians, the book of Ephesians talks about the church being the manifold wisdom of God. Meaning we are the, the church reveals the, the multifaceted wisdom of God, the brilliance of our God. Think about this. As we as the body of Christ are a bunch of people from all different backgrounds, different languages, different likes, different dislikes, just different, different lives. Now by communing with God in the fellowship of the church, the spirit of God empowers us to do things that are so incredibly foreign to this world. Now we are offering supernatural forgiveness that the world knows nothing about. Now we are tenderhearted. We are loving each other as a, according to what Ephesians talks about. Those are things that the world knows nothing about. The world knows clamor and divisiveness and that brokenness that we talked about at the start of, or at the end of Ephesians 4. But what happens if the onlooking world sees the church with these very godly characteristics as a result of the Holy Spirit's work, the onlooking world looks at that church and marvels because we don't have within us the ability to do that on our own. If that's the case, the only explanation is that our God is who he says he is. Church family, we have the great privilege of revealing to the world by the provision of the Holy Spirit that our God is a God who offers that unmerited forgiveness. My prayer this morning is that we would be a people who love communing with God.
And that as a result of that, we would be a people who walk in amazing obedience, recognizing and trusting that as we walk, God provides. Let's pray. God, thanks for the day. Thank you for just the amazing opportunity that you've given us to gather. Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. Father, as we've studied your word, Father, I pray that you would do what only you can. Father, that through your word, you would grow us in conformity to Christ. And Father, I do pray that if there's anyone in the room right now, God, that is struggling with in the area of forgiveness, I get how hard that is. Father, I pray that you would, by your spirit, empower them to come to Jesus, who's the one that supplies them with everything that they need to do those things. And Father, I pray that as wounds are very real from some of the offenses that we faced in life, Father, I pray that as we come to you, God, that you would bind up the brokenhearted. Father, that you would heal wounds, that you would restore hearts. Father, like only you can. And God, I pray that the result of that is the onlooking world looking at the church, doing things that the world doesn't understand. And Father, I pray that the onlooking world would marvel at our God. Father, would you do that? God, I love this church. I'm grateful for this church. So God, I pray that as we go out of this building, Father, that we would represent you well, that we would look like Christ in the world that we live in. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, amen.